Well, hey, my name's Chad, and I'm applying for the preaching position here at First Church, so uh, good to see you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Glad to be back with you. I just want to say thank you to our church, to our eldership for giving me a break this summer to do some planning and prayer and preparation. And even though it's called a break, I was still working. I just wasn't necessarily preaching every single week, but it was great, and I just want to let you know I am excited. I am pumped about what God has in store for our church this fall. I believe with all my heart this is going to be a fall that our church will never forget. And I can't wait to unveil some of this stuff to you as we get to it, but I'm excited about what God has in store. But I appreciate all those who filled in for me while I was gone preaching. And so if you would, would you give a hand to our guest speakers and thank them? Really appreciate those who filled in speaking. And I also want to give a quick shout out to our online campus. Glad you guys are joining us as well. Good to see you guys who are here in person. And if your family is like mine, you've probably caught some of the Summer Olympic Games that are taking place right now uh, in Tokyo. My family, we're glued to the Olympics. We love sports, and so we love watching all the different competitions. And we've been watching sports that we're pretty familiar with and some that we honestly didn't even know existed. But it's been a ton of fun. And every time I watch the Summer Olympics, I always think to myself, what's a sport that I could compete in in the Olympics and not completely embarrass myself? You ever think that? I know I do, and I know I'm not the only one because this week on social media, somebody in our church actually asked this question. They said, what Olympic sport would you do okay in if you were selected? So I want to see where our church is at today, and I want to do a quick poll. I'm going to put up some options here on the screen, and I want for you guys to vote. And you vote by shouting out loud, clapping, hollering, whatever you want to do, but I want to hear you. If you're here in person, let the people at home hear you as well, okay? So make it loud. Which sport do you think you would do better at? And if you are watching at home, go ahead and type it in the online hub. We would love to hear from you guys as well. So here's our first two options. Would you be better at swimming in the Olympics or volleyball? So think about it for a second. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Follow the rules. Let me give you the cue when to vote. Okay, that's all right. I'm glad you're excited. The earlier service was not that excited. So good. I'm glad you are. But here we go. Are we ready? How many guys would do better at swimming? Let me hear you. Okay, decent number. How many of you think you would do better at volleyball? Wow, wow. Got a lot of people love volleyball. Awesome. I told my wife that I would do better at swimming, and she said, really? And I was just like, yeah, I've got a swimmer's body. And she was just like, no. And she started to laugh out loud. So anyway, I was insulted, but I moved on. Okay, here are the next two options we have, rugby or water polo. So I would probably die doing either, honestly, but I want to see what you guys would pick. So how many of you would pick rugby? Let me hear you. Okay, good. How many guys would pick water polo? Anybody? Wow, yeah, not as many. I think we got some big rugby fans here. Okay, how about these next two options? Okay, mountain biking or field hockey? Now, I really didn't know that either of these two were Olympic sports. I didn't. Now, I've heard of ice hockey in the Olympics. You know, for the Winter Olympics, I don't field hockey was a sport. But anyway, it was cool to watch both these. So let me hear you. How many guys would pick mountain biking? Okay, decent number. What about field hockey? You all just like the color blue, don't you? Like me. Yeah, go Cats, go Kentucky. Okay, next two here. 
Last two, actually. We've got the trampoline, which again, I didn't know was an Olympic sport, but is. And if you watch these guys, they are insane. Like they will jump three stories high on these trampolines. It's awesome. That's the one I would pick. I'd probably break my neck, but I would still pick it because it looks really cool. Or table tennis, which my family just calls ping pong. So I'm going to see where you guys are now. How many guys would vote for the trampoline? Cool, got some daredevils. What about table tennis? Okay. You guys are used to playing that. Yeah, well, Alex, my son, and I, we were watching some Olympic games and some of the Olympic games, and we were watching table tennis. And it just so happened that we went back to Kentucky, and one of my family members in their unfinished basement, they have a ping pong table. So we started to play a little bit. And one thing that we noticed as we were watching these professionals in the Olympics play table tennis is how they served. I mean, they have unique serves, some of them. And several of them, when they would serve a ping pong ball, they would stare at it first. Like they'd get down real close like they were reading the words on the ball and stare at it, and then they would serve the ball. And it was kind of crazy to watch. In fact, look at this lady right here, and she's an Olympic you know, medalist, but still, she, look how she serves the ball. She stares at it real hard before she takes off and she serves. And so Alex and I were watching this, and when we were down in my family member's basement playing ping pong, this is what he started to do. Are you ready? Let's see if we can get it here, maybe. It worked in the first service. Let's see if we can get it to work here. Is it coming up for us? Do, 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 do. Make sure you guys laugh really hard when you see this. It's going to be worth it, okay, once we get it up here. Okay, here we go. There it is. Are you ready? Look at him. There he is. But he takes off. He learned from the pros. And then I love after he gets a point here, look at him. He's like, what? This is what I've always been doing, you know? That's him. My son's a stud. He really is. But he watched the professionals do it, so he did it too. He got down, he stared at that ping pong. He loved to watch table tennis during the Olympics. But one sport that I was fascinated with, and I always have been, is hurdling. You ever watch hurdling? I mean, it just amazes me. Because hurdling isn't just a race. It's a high-speed race with obstacles. And there's always... A winner who has to overcome these obstacles and not allow the hurdles to keep them from finishing the race. Hurdles that look kind of like this right here. And when you think about jumping over these and their different heights throughout the race, I mean, it's really impressive. And I was talking to somebody in our church this week that actually ran hurdles when she was in high school. And I said, were the hurdles ever intimidating? I mean, when you got up on one, did it scare you? Or were you surprised because it came too soon or whatever? And I'll never forget her response. In fact, I wrote it down when she said it because I wanted to share it with you. And this is what she said. She said, you're just prepared for them, prepared for hurdles. You know hurdles are coming, so you train yourself for them and trust your training. It's very rhythmic running. Rather than worrying about hurdles, eventually you see a hurdle as just the next step you have to take. And I thought that was really good because honestly, that's an illustration about life. Whether you like it or not, life is full of hurdles. Life is full of difficulties and trouble. And Jesus doesn't hide this truth from us. He plainly states it. Listen to what he says in the Gospel of John. In this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't hide this truth from us. He plainly states it. In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to face obstacles. In this world, you're going to have to deal with difficulties. In this world, you're going to be confronted with hurdles. And we may not like it, but it's the way it is. 
But Jesus doesn't leave it at that. Look at what he goes on to say. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, even my followers are going to have to face hurdles, but my followers, they're not alone in this race called life. They've got me. I'm with them. I'm running the race with them. I'm on their side. And there's no hurdle that's too great for me to overcome. There's no hurdle that's too high that I can't give you the strength or the wisdom that it takes to overcome it, to clear it. Jesus, you're going to face hurdles. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because you're not alone as you run this race called life. I am with you. And one truth that I've learned throughout my time following Jesus is this. When Jesus runs with us, he'll give us the strength and the wisdom we need to overcome life's hurdles. Because he's the best coach that we could possibly ask for. Now, when you think about hurdles in life, figuratively speaking, I don't know what this represents for you, but you are going to face a hurdle in the near future. And maybe you're facing one right now. So like I said, I don't know what you're facing right now in life or what you will face in the near future, but you're going to be facing a hurdle. And for you, I don't know if the hurdles that you're looking at right now are hurdles of uncertainty because you had all these plans in life and then all of a sudden because of life circumstances, your plans fell apart. I don't know if what you're going to be facing is loss, maybe the loss of a loved one, someone you really cared about. Maybe the loss of a job or loss of a career. Maybe a loss of your home or some money. Maybe it's the loss of your own identity. I don't know what this hurdle represents for you. Maybe the hurdle that you're going to soon face, it's the hurdle of pain. Maybe something's going to happen outside of your control and you're going to face some heartache. You're going to face some stress. You're going to face some anxiety. Maybe for you it's going to be family issues. Maybe you're going to have a child that rebels against you or currently is rebelling against you. Maybe you're having marriage problems or will have marriage problems in the future. I don't know what this is for you, but I guarantee there's a hurdle you're looking at right now or you're about to look at. Maybe for you it's negativity because you're surrounded by negative people and they're constantly dragging you down and pulling you down. Cynical people who just depress you. Maybe... The hurdle that you're going to face is dealing with consequences of past decisions or sin. Maybe it's some temptation that you're going to struggle with. I don't know. I don't know what this is for you, but I know one thing. Life is full of hurdles. And so what Jesus here is telling us is he's saying, don't be surprised, but be prepared. Don't be surprised when hurdles come. They're going to happen. You can't get around them. You can't avoid them. They're going to happen. Just be prepared. And over and over again in the Bible, it tells us how we can be prepared to face hurdles. This is a constant theme we see in Scripture. Listen to what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul writes these words. He compares life to a race. By the way, this imagery of life being a race is used all throughout the Bible. And listen to what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run, he talks about his own spiritual journey, his own life. Listen to what he says. So I run with purpose in every step. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. 
Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I don't run through life aimlessly. I don't run through life without purpose. Paul knows that life at times can be difficult. Life at times can be hard. It can be rough. And so Paul says, instead of being surprised when I experience difficulties in life, I prepare myself like an athlete. I train myself. I listen to God, the greatest coach of all time. I listen to him so that I am prepared for whatever obstacle comes my way. If you've been watching any of the Olympics, this name, Sydney McLaughlin, probably stands out to you. You've probably heard it before. She won a gold medal in the women's 400-meter hurdles, and she also won another gold medal in the relay. And she is just amazing. Not only did she win the gold medal in the 400-meter hurdles, she also uh, set the world record. I mean, she's just great. By the way, she's also a University of Kentucky graduate. Just wanted to throw that in real fast in case you wanted to know. Okay. But she's great. And she's great not just because she's a great hurdler. She's also great because she's a strong Christian. And she's very outspoken about her faith in a very respectful way. She talks about her faith all the time. She talks about God. She talks about Jesus. She even says that the reason why she keeps running is to point people to Jesus. And if you ever hear an interview she gives, she's gonna mention God. She's gonna mention her faith at some point or another. And I just love that. In fact, there's supposed to be a feature on her, I think this afternoon on TV. And unless the media edits out her comments about God, I guarantee she's gonna talk about God during that interview, during that feature. But I was watching her post-race interview after she won the gold medal and set the world record. And I love what she said about about her race. They said, what changed for you? Because five years ago, she was in the Olympics in Rio and she lost in the semifinals. She didn't make it even to the final race. They said, what changed for you? And she said that she realized she wasn't prepared, that she got a new coach. And then she used these words. She said that she learned to trust the process the preparation that it took to get ready for the race. And what she insinuated was this. I'm the same athlete I was five years ago, but I was better prepared this time around. And I think that's what Paul is getting at in this passage. Paul's saying we can't avoid hurdles in life. They're going to happen, but we can be prepared for them. And that's why he says these words, which we read just a second ago, I run with purpose in every step. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. In other words, God has a plan for me. God has instructions for me to follow. And if I listen to him, I will be prepared for whatever obstacle I have to face. And so let me ask you, Are you prepared for the next hurdle that's ahead in life? Because one truth that I was hit with years ago that has changed my life, and it sounds simple, but it's really profound, and it's this. I am not a burden to God. God wants to help me. God wants to see me finish the race. He wants to see me overcome life's hurdles. He's not against me. He is for me. And the reason why he gives me instructions and teaching is because he wants me to finish strong, to finish with perseverance. God isn't against me. He is for me, and I am not a burden to him. He wants to help me through life. And when I listen to God's instructions, when I listen to God's instructions, he will give me the strength that I need He will give me the wisdom that I need so that I am prepared for whatever hurdles lie 
ahead. And that's what this series is all about, being prepared for hurdles. I just want to say up front, this series isn't about avoiding hurdles or destroying hurdles so we won't have to deal with them. Nope, we're going to deal with them. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But it's about being prepared so that when we come upon hurdles, we're ready for them. And with God's strength and God's wisdom, his coaching, we can overcome them together. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at different things that we can do to get prepared for the hurdles we may face in life. And in this first sermon of the series, we're going to talk about getting rid of extra weight, unnecessary, unhealthy weight that has a tendency to pull us down, hold us back, and keep us from clearing the hurdles ahead. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race. Here's this imagery again of life being a race, the race God has set before us. See, what this passage is saying is runners, when they run, they don't want anything to weigh them down. There's a reason why when you watch hurdling on TV, these, these people that run the hurdles, they don't wear heavy clothing. They don't run their race in jeans and sweatshirts and jackets and all that. They wear light clothing because they don't want anything holding them down, dragging them down holding them back. They also don't eat a big meal right before they get ready to run their race. They don't eat a heavy meal because they don't want that weighing them down either. Every time I think about that, I think about the Office TV episode. If there's any Office fans, when Michael Scott gets ready to run his fun run, if you remember, and he wants to carbo load beforehand, he doesn't, he doesn't do very well because he ate this heavy meal right before he got ready to run. Real runners don't do that because it just weighs them down and holds them back. And in his case, it made him really, really sick. You don't want to do that. You don't want anything that's unnecessary or unhealthy weighing you down. And so what the Bible is telling us is this. Don't get weighed down by weight you were never intended to carry. And I wonder right now, are you carrying weight you were never intended to carry? That God doesn't want you to carry, and he's saying you don't have to carry it. Sometimes what weighs us down in life are life circumstances that are really out of our control. And maybe right now, as I'm preaching this message, you feel weighed down because of some past experience in your life. Maybe somebody harmed you in the past. That's still affecting you today. Maybe because of the way that you were raised, you still feel very insecure because something happened in your family, something in school, whatever. Maybe right now you feel weighed down because of some sin Maybe that you committed or somebody did to you, and there's still shame and guilt associated with that. Whether there should be or not, it's still there. And you know that Jesus has washed you clean from the past sin that you've committed, but you still allow that guilt to weigh you down. Maybe there's some other life experience from the past, some emotion, some stress, some anxiety that's from the past, or maybe you're currently experiencing right now because of the circumstances you're dealing with right now in life, and it's weighing you down. If that's you today, listen to what the Bible tells us to do. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In other words, you don't have to carry it anymore. Give it over to God. God doesn't want you carrying that weight anymore. Give it to him. He will take it from you and he can handle it. He will remove it from your life so that it doesn't weigh you down anymore. 
And if that's you, what you may need to do today is give that weight, whatever it is, that emotional weight over to God so that he can take it from you. I made the mention or I commented earlier that my family got to travel back to Kentucky and we actually flew on a plane there. And when we got back, we were getting our luggage, our baggage from that baggage carousel, you know, what they have at every airport. And we were waiting for our bags to come through. And Addie, my daughter, she's four, she wanted to help me with my bag and say, help me. She wanted to get my bag. And so she got her little bitty pink bag and that was easy because it's easy for her to carry. But I had a big old bag and I brought an extra large bag, bigger than I typically do because it was also Alex, my son's birthday, and I knew we we're going to have to put gifts in that bag to bring them back. And so it was full. It was stuffed uh, full of stuff, and it was very, very heavy. And Addie said, I want to get it, Daddy. I want to get it. And she ran up to that baggage carousel, and she got ready to grab it, and she held on to the handle, and this is what she did. Urgh! She couldn't move it. She couldn't even pick it up. She, she couldn't do it. And so I walked up behind her. I was actually pretty close. And I walked up behind her and I just said, here, Addie, I'll get it for you. And I picked it up. And I have to be honest, it wasn't that difficult for me to pick up. It's pretty easy, actually. I did it without any struggle whatsoever. Impressed myself a little bit. You know, I just picked it up. And then I set it down. And when I did, Addie looked at me and said, man, Daddy, you're strong. I was like, yes, I am, baby girl. Yes, I am. But never forget that. But you know, when I thought about that moment, it reminded me of how God is with us. We're carrying our weight that we weren't meant to carry. And God says, you don't have to carry that. Oh, we got it, God. We can handle it. Really, God, we got it. And God's like, no, no, you're not supposed to be carrying that. Give it to me. I can handle it. I can take it. I'm bigger. I can handle it so you don't have to. And here's the thing. As a father, as a dad myself, I don't want my daughter picking up something she shouldn't. I don't want her carrying around heavy weight. I don't want her trying to carry that bag out of the airport because it's gonna be a struggle for her and I don't wanna see her struggle. And that's why I told Addie, Addie, just let me do it. And God's the same way with us. He doesn't wanna see a struggle in life. So he says, that weight that you're carrying right now, give it to me, turn it over to me. I'm bigger. I can handle it and I can take it from you. I can remove it from you. But it's interesting, when we look at that passage from Hebrews, it doesn't just talk about emotional weight that we might be carrying. It specifically addresses something else. Look at what the passage goes on to say. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. See, something else that has a tendency to slow us down, trip us up, is sin. And maybe right now you're carrying around the weight of some sin in your life that you haven't addressed, that you haven't owned up to, that you haven't been honest about. You've been hiding this pet sin and you've been keeping it around and sin has an ability to hold us back. And that's what we're gonna talk about today for the rest of the time that we have. Because if there's some sin in your life that you're not addressing, that you're not dealing with, you're never going to be able to achieve the things that God knows that you can achieve. It's going to keep you from clearing those hurdles that are in front of you. And there's a great story in the Old Testament that illustrates this in a very powerful way, and it's found in Joshua chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app on your phone or tablet, go ahead and look up with me, Joshua chapter 7. And this isn't a real well-known story, but it's a powerful one. And if you know anything about Joshua, you know that Joshua was the guy that took over the leadership of God's people after the time of Moses. See, Moses was this great leader of the people, and God did some phenomenal things 
things to the life of Moses, like parting the Red Sea and giving the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and uh, leading the people with a cloud by day and pillar of fire at night and the plagues of Egypt and all that stuff. I mean, God did some miraculous stuff that was just amazing through the life and ministry of Moses. But now Moses is dead and Joshua takes over as the leader of the people and Joshua's a little nervous, but listen to what God says to Joshua. God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, just as I did incredible, amazing things through the life of Moses, I'm going to do incredible and amazing things through your life as well because I am going to be with you. And sure enough, that's exactly what God did. See, God had big plans for his people. And part of those big plans were his people, the Israelites, inheriting the promised land, the land of Canaan. And here's the thing, the promised land, which God had promised to his people, it was being lived in by a people who didn't belong there, the Canaanites. The Canaanites, they were this evil, wicked, corrupt people, godless people who did gross, immoral things like child sacrifices. And so God says, we got to deal with the people who are living there before you can inherit the land that I've promised you. And the first thing that the Israelites had to do was go and take on the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was this strong city, well-fortified city with these huge, massive walls. And people thought the walls of Jericho couldn't be penetrated. And God says, I'm going to give you the city. And sure enough, if you remember what happened... Basically, God allows miraculously for the walls of Jericho to come crumbling down, and the Israelites were able to easily take the city. And the people living in Jericho, they were terrified. But here's the thing. God told Joshua and the people, listen, when you go in to Jericho, don't take anything. Don't take any of the treasures of Jericho. Don't take any of the plunder for yourself. And that wasn't the typical practice in ancient warfare. Normally to the victor belong the spoils, but God said, don't do it because this victory is mine. And I don't want you taking anything of, the, of Jericho's culture with you because they're so evil and they're so wicked. And so the walls of Jericho crumble. The Israelites come in. They easily defeat the citizens of Jericho. It's a great day. Joshua is celebrating. He's on cloud nine, but there's always one guy who doesn't listen. And we meet this one guy in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. His name is Achan. He was Achan for some bacon because he practiced the Jewish law. But anyway, that's a, no, that's a bad joke. Okay, here we go. But we meet this guy named Achan. I should have probably scratched that, but we'll move on. And this is what happens. It says, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord, the things they weren't supposed to take from the city. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Now I want you to notice something. One guy steals some stuff, takes some stuff from the city that he wasn't supposed to take. And yet in this passage, it says that God was upset with the entire nation of Israel. Why? Just one guy that did the crime. Why is God upset with the entire nation? Well, I think here God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us this. Not only will unrepentant sin weigh you down, it will adversely affect those around you. See, your alcoholism, it's not just affecting you. It's affecting your kids as well. It's affecting your spouse and your other family members and friends. Your shady business deals, you may think you're getting by with it, but eventually the consequences of those deals, they're going to hurt everybody around you. It's going to hurt your business. It's going to hurt your company. It's going to hurt your coworkers, your family. That hidden pornography addiction you have, You may think that it doesn't hurt anybody. I'm telling you right now, it is affecting your marriage, the intimacy that you have with your spouse. And if you're not married, it will affect your future 
marriage. Whatever sin is in your life right now, you may think it's just hurting you or it's just something that's affecting you. It's not. It's affecting everyone else around you. And it will just increasingly do so because sin doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's no scenario where my sinful choices don't affect those around me. And that's exactly what happened in this passage. In Joshua chapter 7, we see that after Joshua and the Israelites defeat Jericho, Joshua decides he's going to go take the city of Ai or Ai. It's pronounced both ways. You can come to me after service and argue and say, I think it's Ai. I think it's Ai. I can find 10 scholars on both sides that'll tell you that it's pronounced one way or the other. I think we should just call it A. I think that'd be cool. But anyway, however you say it, it doesn't really matter. It was a small little insignificant city. And Joshua says, well, if we can take Jericho, we can take Ai. And so Joshua takes his army and it should have been an easy battle. But guess what? Ai, they beat the Israelites. The Israelites are defeated. And Joshua's like, what's up? What's going on? God just gave us Jericho, but we can't beat this little bitty city that doesn't even have the fortified walls that Jericho had and all that. What's up? And so he goes to God in prayer and listen to God's response, with, which Joshua shares with the people. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove those things from among you. In other words, because you have this hidden sin in the camp, you will never be able to achieve what God knows you can achieve, what God wants for you to achieve. And guys, there's some practical truth for us here as well. Because as a church, like I said, I believe that God has great plans in store for us, but we're never going to be able to achieve those plans that he wants us to carry out if we allow for unrepentant sin to remain among us. Same is true for your family. Your family will never be as healthy as it can be as long as unrepentant sin remains within your family. Your own life will never be all that God wants it to be as long as unrepentant sin remains. Because that sin will continue to weigh us down. And so when Joshua hears this, he says, we got to take care of the sin that's in the camp. And so this is what he does. He calls all the families of Israel together and he basically interviews them to say, okay, who took something they weren't supposed to take? And he gets to the family of Achan. And when he gets to the family of Achan, Achan finally fesses up. Listen to what the Bible says. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. And when I read that, I have to ask, Achan, was it worth it? Was it worth Israel losing a battle? Was it worth you seeing some of your Israelite brothers die? And now there are wives who don't have husbands and kids who don't have a dad anymore? Achan, was it worth the embarrassment this is going to bring to your family? Because Achan's entire family is going to be severely punished because of this. Achan, was it worth the embarrassment that you brought upon your nation? And for that matter, the embarrassment you brought upon God? Achan, was it worth all the guilt that you've been experiencing? I mean, look at what he had to do with this stuff. He couldn't just parade it around. He had to hide it. He buried it in the ground because he knew he was in trouble. 
Was it worth all the stress that it caused trying to hide this stuff? Was it worth all the guilt that you experienced? I mean, one of the things he took was a robe from Babylon. Did you read that? I mean, how in the world was he, what was he ever going to do with that? Because you can't wear that thing around without people noticing, right? I mean, he's an Israelite. And all of a sudden, you've got a, a foreign robe. Where'd that thing come from? Oh, I don't know. I found it in the ground. I mean, what excuse was he going to make exactly? He took all this stuff and he didn't get to use it. He had to hide it. And my question is, is it worth it? Let me ask you. Whatever sin you're hiding right now, is it worth it? Is it worth all the guilt that you're experiencing right now? Is it worth the stress that it causes? Is it worth the pain that it's causing your family, your loved ones, or the future pain that it might cause them? Is it worth? Is it worth it? Because in this passage, what ends up happening is once Israel deals with this sin, once it's confronted, we get to chapter 8, and look at what God says to Joshua. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. In other words, God says, okay, now that you've gotten rid of this sin, now that you've removed it from the camp, now we can move on. And you as a people can achieve what I know you can achieve. See, God has big plans for us as well. And if we're going to clear the hurdles that are in front of us in order to do those big things, we've got to be willing to own our sin and turn it over to him. Because here's the thing. This passage teaches us we're as sick as our secrets. And so what secrets do you have right now? What secrets are you hiding? So let me give you a couple challenges as we wrap up here. The first challenge is this. Admit the help you need. Be honest with yourself. Stop hiding your sin because God can't heal what you hide. Admit the help you need. Do an honest evaluation of your life right now and honestly admit what's holding you back, what's weighing you down. And that means you're gonna have to ask some tough questions. You're gonna have to ask questions like, why do I lose my temper so quickly? Why do I drink so much? Why do I binge eat when no one else is around? Why do I have to be right all the time? Why am I always seeking attention? Why is it that I'm so negative at times? Why am I so critical on social media of others? Why am I quick to pass judgment, but I don't want anybody else to judge me? Why do I worry about things that are out of my control? Why do I continue to carry around this pet sin that I know is harmful for me? Ask yourself the tough questions. Because it's only when you own the sin in your life that you can then do what's next and that you can accept the help you need. That's the next challenge I want to give you. Admit the help you need, but then accept the help you need. Because here's the thing. Our Father wants for us to be healed. He wants for us to be made new again. He wants for the weight that we're carrying that's unhealthy for us to be taken away from us. He is calling us to healing right now. And so accept his instructions. Accept his teachings. Listen to godly people and wisdom around you and do what you need to do in order to turn that weight that you're carrying over to him. Because remember what I said earlier, you are not a burden to God. 
He wants to help you. He wants to remove that weight from your life. You've probably heard me use this illustration before, but I think it's, think it's good. This grocery sack right here, well, it was meant for a purpose. It was meant to carry certain things, but it, what it wasn't meant to carry is this 10-pound weight. Because you put this 10-pound weight in this grocery sack, guess what happens? Well, it may support it for a while, but eventually the bottom's going to fall out, right? Because this grocery bag was meant to carry around certain things, but it wasn't meant to carry around this. And the same is true for our lives. We are meant to carry around certain things like God's love and his grace and his forgiveness and his joy and his peace and all that stuff. But we weren't meant to carry around the sin that we often carry around. And a lot of times, this is how we live with a hole in our hearts or a hole in our lives. Because we've been carrying around toxic stuff, heavy stuff that we were never meant to carry around. And right now, we live in a world that is full of people that have experienced the bottom falling out of their lives because they've been carrying around weight that they were never intended to carry around. And that's why in just three weeks, on August the 29th, we're gonna do something we did a couple years ago. We're gonna have a You're Invited series, and we're gonna have a special day every week for three weeks where we have a lot of games and fun and special activities. The first week is gonna be a tailgate party like we did a few years ago. We're gonna challenge everybody to wear their favorite team colors or jersey or whatever, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. And we're gonna encourage you guys, challenge you guys to invite your friends because you have family members, you have coworkers, you have neighbors right now that are carrying weight that they were never intended to carry and they need to hear about the God who can take that weight from them. So I'm excited about that, and we want you inviting people here in three weeks, starting August the 29th. Go and put that on your calendar and start inviting people. But today, right now, as we wrap up this sermon, maybe what I just described in that illustration with the grocery sack and weight, maybe that's you. Maybe right now there's a hole in your heart. Maybe right now there's a hole in your life. The bottom is falling out because you've been carrying around weight that God never intended you to carry around. You don't have to anymore. God wants you to finish the race strong. And today, if you'll just turn that weight over to him, listen to him, he's the best coach of all time, and you will run the race of life with the perseverance that he gives. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today and this opportunity that we've had to open up your word and study it. And we pray that we will not be like Achan, who hid things that were toxic to his own life and toxic to the people around him who he loved. Father, may we turn whatever weight we are carrying, this unnecessary, unhealthy weight, over to you so that we can run the race of life with perseverance and overcome whatever hurdles Satan puts in our way so that you can do great and incredible things through us and through this church. I lift up this prayer in the name of Jesus, amen.